Let's turn our Bible this morning to the book of Luke. We'll be in Luke chapter number 23. Luke chapter number 23. And this morning we'll continue in our series that we've been in for some time that has been entitled Standing Near the Cross. And we'll look at another character or characters this morning. So far we have looked at Mary, the mother of Jesus. We have looked at all those other ladies that were there, John the Beloved. Uh, the chief priest, and many others, and Lord willing, we'll look at another group today, and then my plan is to have two more Sundays uh, in this series that we'll look at <clears throat> characters the next two Sundays, and that'll, that'll bring a conclusion to our services, and I would encourage you, not to our services, we will have church beyond this, uh, to this uh, uh, series. If that's the case, it's going to be a long series, um, but I do want to encourage you to be here uh, the next couple of Sundays, and if you uh, know uh, someone who was lost, does not know the Lord, I would really encourage you uh, to have them in the services the next two weeks, uh, if no other time. Luke chapter number 23, and uh, we're going to begin reading in verse number 44, and I remind you that once again we are revisiting Calvary, we're revisiting the cross, and of course Christ uh, paying our sin debt is the focus. It should always be the focus, the fact that Jesus willingly paid for your sins, my sins, the sins of the world. Uh, but as we've seen week in and week out, there's much that we can learn uh, from the presence of those characters that were at the cross, uh, that Scripture tells us a little bit about who they were. We get a feel of why they were there, and there's some things that we can apply to our own lives. We're going to look at that once again today, beginning in verse number 44 of Luke chapter number 23. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Now I'll remind you, like I have probably every Sunday uh, for some time now, Jesus gave his life. Man did not take his life from him. Man is not capable of taking his life from him. Jesus willingly laid down his life for you and I. Verse 47, now when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. And all the people that came together to that site, beholding the things which were done, smote their breast and returned. And all his acquaintance... And the women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off, beholding these things. I want you to keep your Bible open to Luke chapter number 23. And we'll stay uh, right in this passage of Scripture this morning. But I want us to look at verse number 49 again. And all his acquaintance and the women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off. Over the last several Sundays, we've looked at several of those women that were there at the cross. But I want you to notice the word acquaintance and all his acquaintance. This morning, we're going to look at the acquaintances of Jesus, the acquaintances of Jesus. Father, I pray this morning that you would use your word to speak to our hearts. Father, I pray that you would encourage the believer this morning. I pray that we would be reminded of how important we are because Christ paid for our sins. I pray that every one of us would take an account of whether or not we've put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and His finished work on Calvary. 
And Father, if there's one this morning that is unsaved, may the Spirit of God bring conviction to them. May they realize their need of salvation. May they believe on what Christ did. May they believe in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that your will would be done this morning, and may Christ be honored and magnified for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we have looked at Calvary and looked beyond even the cross of Calvary, and at those that were present at the crucifixion of Christ, I trust that we have learned, certainly learned some things to help us, but be aware of those who Scripture tells us were witness to that event, that crucifixion. We find in verse number 49, we find if just on the surface we would overlook it, and certainly many times I've read this Scripture and paid no attention uh, to all those who were at the cross, but this morning we find a group of individuals who are not known by name, but they're known collectively. They're referred to as his acquaintance, his acquaintances. Now, if you and I use that word, sometimes we give it the definition of it's somebody we know casually. We wouldn't put them in the same category as a friend, although with social media today, I'm not sure we really understand the real definition of a friend. But acquaintance is just somebody that we've met at some time. But if we look at how Scripture uses it, it means a little bit more than that. An acquaintance is somebody who was well-known, which means you, did not, you knew them more than casually. Uh, you didn't know them by name, so that was, that's so-and-so, and you knew their name because somebody told you who they were. You knew them a little bit better than just casually. Uh, the word means well-known or known and uh, not, 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 not a stranger. And so these were those who would probably fit a closer description of what we would refer to as a friend. All those who had come to become, they had become familiar with Jesus. Now you may know uh, who somebody is, but that does not mean just because you meet them one time that you're familiar with them. This is a group of individuals who certainly the Lord knew them because when Christ was on the cross paying man's sin debt, he was aware of not just everyone who was there, but he was aware of everyone who had ever lived and everyone who ever would live because he was paying their sin debt. But these individuals were familiar with the Lord Jesus Christ. They had not just heard his name. Certainly in this time, because of the fame of the Lord, because of the works that he did, stories were told about the Lord Jesus Christ, and there would be those who heard about him who never laid eyes on him. There would be those who had heard about what he had accomplished who had never been in his presence. This was not this group of people. Certainly there were some present at Calvary that day because they wanted to see this one named Jesus. This individual that the Bible collectively calls his acquaintances, this was not them. They were familiar with the Lord Jesus Christ. This would mean that they had heard his teaching. They had been in his presence when the Lord had spoken. The Lord had taught. They had seen his miracles. They were in his presence when 
they saw a miracle done. Perhaps some of them were part of that crowd of 5,000 who partook of that miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 when he took the five loaves and the two fish. Certainly is a good possibility that some of them were in this crowd. They followed him. They were not what we call his disciples who traveled with him, who had that particular calling on them, but they were familiar with the Lord. This unnamed group could have witnessed a variety of miracles. They could have been close enough to see him and to hear his voice. Perhaps some in this group did have names that are referred to in Scripture, but they're not named at this point. The point I want us to see is they were there on purpose. They were there because the Lord was there. They were not there to just get a view of this individual named Jesus. They were there because they loved him. They were there because they believed in him. They were there because... They knew him well enough to know that they believed he was the Son of God. With that in mind, I want us to consider some things about the acquaintances this morning. While they are mentioned very casually uh, in, in the Scripture this morning and often overlooked, they're unnamed. We don't know how many is in this group of acquaintances. We don't know exactly who they are. But I think if we'll consider some things this morning, I think there'll be some things that we will learn and will be a a blessing and a help to us this morning. So first of all, I want us to notice the commitment of his acquaintances. These acquaintances, as the Bible calls them, who were known by the Lord and who knew the Lord, they were committed to him. Notice again in verse Number 49, if you will, and all his acquaintance and the women that followed him from Galilee. There was some effort put in to his acquaintances of being there at Calvary. Now, I'll remind you, this was not a pleasant scene. I'll remind you that for a short moment uh, before before Christ finished his work, darkness prevailed. And it seemed like evil was going to win. And these wicked men had taken our Lord and they had, they had beaten him and, and they had whipped him with that cat of nine tails and they had nailed him to that old rugged cross and they mocked him and they made fun of him and they belittled him. This was not a place for the faint of heart. This was the place of execution. This was the place where those that had been condemned to die were treated in in such a cruel fashion. This is where those that would gawk at the things that were taking place were there. This is where the mob who had shouted, crucify him, crucify him. This is where they were to mock our Lord. It was not a friendly place for the believer. It was not a friendly place for those that followed Christ. It would not have been friendly for his acquaintances. Sometimes we might be approached with the question, do you know so-and-so? Sometimes we may answer that. It depends on who's asking. Because sometimes an association can get you in trouble with certain people. So it was a big deal that his acquaintances were there. I'm afraid often we look at the scripture and 
and we look at the fact that we can name some names that the Bible tells us were not there, we have, I'm afraid, overlooked at who the Bible tells us was there. The Lord had not been forsaken by everyone. Jesus had touched so many lives. They may be unnamed and they be, may be unknown to you and I, and they may not have been used in some of the ways that God used others, but the Lord touched so many lives that there were some his acquaintances, who had heard him teach. I saw him do a miracle. Perhaps they were the result of a miracle that Christ had performed. And yet in that dark day, when it was not popular, when they would put their life at risk, because what would stop that angry mob from turning their attention from the Lord, who they hated, to those who followed him and give them the same treatment that they had given our Lord? They were committed to the Lord. I'm reminded, as I mentioned this past, this, this, in the past weeks, that these women that were from Galilee, and many of these acquaintances I'm certain were from Galilee, that that was a two- to three-day walk from Galilee to Jerusalem. That was they were committing to be where the Lord was. I think it's significant that his acquaintances were committed enough to be with the Lord as he was crucified. Secondly, I want us to notice the contrast of his acquaintances to the others that were there. I find this very interesting, and let me first of all say we can often learn much about people, not just by what they're doing, but also by what they're not doing. We find the presence of his acquaintances there, and there's a clear contrast between those who had been, a difference had been made in their life by the Lord, those who knew the Lord, and those who crucified the Lord. I remind you what the Bible tells us of what they were not doing by contrast to what the others were doing. In verse number 35 of our text this morning, chapter 23, And the people stood beholding, and the rulers, these chief priests, also with them deriding him. The chief priests were mocking him, making fun of him, deriding him. Why don't you come down from the cross and save yourself? This was not what his acquaintances were doing. This is what those wicked chief priests who denied the Lord Jesus Christ were doing. The soldiers, in verse 36, they were also mocking him. This was not what the acquaintances were doing. The Matthew, in the book of Matthew, the book of Mark, and certainly in John 19, where we spent much time, tells us of all those that came by and mocked him, and the scripture used the term wagging their heads, and and made light of him and mocked the fact that he claimed to be the king of the Jews. Verse number 49, we see there are many who smoked their breasts and returned and left in their mind never to think of him again. There's a clear contrast between his acquaintances and those that crucified him. Let this speak to you this morning. There's always been a difference in those who Christ has touched their life. 
there should be a clear difference in those acquaintances, those who know the Lord, those who are familiar with Him, there should be a clear difference between their actions and the actions of those who have rejected Him. Just as it was clear on this day, now I remind you that they were not wearing a labels, they were not wearing a witness t-shirt that said, I have decided. Their actions showed that they were an acquaintance of the Lord. They were not divided by a color so you knew who was who. They were not in a particular section and it was roped off for them. Here are the followers of Christ where they could watch the crucifixion. But you knew who they were by the way they were acting. You knew who the mob was by the way they were acting. And you knew who the acquaintances of Christ were by what they were not doing. They weren't doing what everybody else was doing. Jesus was their Savior. He was the one they had believed in. He was the one who had changed their life. He was the one who they went and they heard teach. He was the one who they had made a great journey to see and to be a part of what he was doing. There was a clear contrast between the acquaintances of Christ and everybody else there that day. In this day we live in, there's never been a greater need for a clear contrast between those who have been touched by the Lord Jesus Christ than those who have rejected Him. I'm afraid, mistakenly so, many Christians are alarmed when they discover that they're different because Jesus changed them. They're alarmed when they discover that they're put it together in a crowd, and I'll talk more about that in just a a moment. But this reminds us that the action should be different. Uh, They did not respond as an angry mob responded. I find this a very appropriate message for the day we live in today. They were different, and then we can notice the contrast to the others. I imagine if there was somebody who was standing outside that crowd and they were asked, pick out the acquaintances of Christ. I don't think it would have been very hard to point out who it was that were the acquaintances of Jesus. You know, when we go out into this world, the same thing should still be true. Would you point out who the acquaintances of Christ is? I remind you that should be true whether we live in a day of oppression or not. Who are the acquaintances of Christ? Does anybody ever mistake you for a Christian? I asked it that way on purpose. Could anybody, if they were asked, can you pick out who the child of God is? It shouldn't just be because, you know, we're wearing our WWJD bracelet or our I have decided to follow Jesus t-shirt. There ought to be a spirit of kindness about us. There ought to be a change in us that somebody can look at us and say, I don't know why they're different, I just know they're different. Because quite frankly, I've met a lot of Christians who they, they cross every T and they dot every I, but the spirit of haughtiness is about them. That is not what this world should see, and that's not what this world should find in a child of God who has been touched by the Lord Jesus Christ. There should be a humbleness. There should be an appreciation for what Christ has done, and the acquaintances ought to be noticed because of a clear contrast. 
between the others who have rejected. Then I move quickly to number three, and I will move quickly to the message this morning. I want us to look again at verse number 49. And I find this is a great truth that I want us to really grab a hold of. And all his acquaintance and the women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off, beholding these things. I want you to number three, notice the company these acquaintances kept. The scripture in the chapter number 23 of the book of Luke, our text this morning, specifically mentions that they were with the women that had followed him from Galilee. We know by looking at different weeks and looking at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and all their accounts of the crucifixion, we know that this crowd was Mary, the mother of Jesus. We know Mary Magdalene was one of the women. We know Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, James the less, James, one of the disciples. We know, as we saw last week, Salome, who was the mother of James and John, the sons of thunder. We know at least those women were there. We know in, a previous, in previous verses in this chapter, Jesus specifically speaks to the women of Jerusalem. And we know that if Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there, we know John, the beloved, was there because in John 19... The Lord speaks to John and passes the responsibility of his mother on to John. So we know Jesus' mother is there. We know Mary Magdalene, who had been transformed by Christ and had served him faithfully. We know the mothers of some of the very disciples who walked away from everything. We know they're there. We know John the Beloved is there. Here's a very obvious thing for us to see. That's pretty good company for these acquaintances to be hanging out. There at the cross, I think most people knew who Mary, the mother of Jesus, was. I think people had a pretty good idea of who Mary Magdalene was. I think people had a pretty good idea of John the Beloved. If they didn't know them by name, by the way people whispered about them, they knew they were closely related to the Lord Jesus Christ. And there, his acquaintances, are they there with them, and we notice the company that they kept. Might I make a quick application this morning? You might would say, this is a group of people that had believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. They had trusted them for their salvation. And here was an assembly that had been called out of this world and that was separated because of their belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. I would also tell you this morning that I believe, as I've, I've brought to, to, to light in, in recent weeks, that you'll find many of these same individuals in the upper room in Acts chapter number 1, assembled as God's church, praying for the power of the Holy Ghost, and the next day, Pentecost takes place, and thousands are added to the church. I would submit to you that this is those who had been saved and changed, that had been removed from the world, and we find them separated here in Scripture, and we find this this group of acquaintances in good company. Might I say this morning, if you're saved, you'll never find better company than the church. You'll never find better company than that called out assembly. And quite frankly, I think you would not be shocked that a pastor of a local church believes this. There's more believers that should be identified with that called out assembly. I, and I don't believe that 
These were the only people who believed on Jesus were here together. But I do believe there's something to the acquaintances banding together, the acquaintances finding their way to each other, the acquaintances there with the women from Galilee, those of his most ardent followers, his own mother, John the Beloved. Here is this assembly that is different. We've already looked at the fact that there is a clear contrast in the, the followers of Christ his acquaintances, and those that crucified him. That is still a picture for you and I today. Those who have been changed, those who have been saved, those who have been affected by the Lord Jesus Christ, like it or not, friend, if you're saved this morning, you are different. You are born again. You are a child of God. Think for a moment, where would you be without Jesus? Where would your destination be without the Lord Jesus Christ? What hope would you have without the forgiveness of our sins? And when you lay your head on your pillow tonight, if the Lord were to take you home, you know you'll enter into his presence. You know you'll not have to pay for your sins. And it's all because of what Jesus did for you. It's not a strange thing when the acquaintances find their way to each other. It's a strange thing. Someone who has been touched by Christ and changed doesn't find their way. Wouldn't it be a natural thing if your Lord is on that cross? and You're there because he's there. Wouldn't it be a natural thing for you to search the crowd for somebody that else that you knew believed on him? Wouldn't you find some comfort in that? It would have been an odd thing for an acquaintance to be hanging out with those Roman soldiers. They naturally found each other because they believed the same thing. Jesus was the Son of God. They naturally gravitated to each other because they had all been changed. They had all been affected by the one who is now nailed to that cross. They found strength together. They found camaraderie together. They had all been Changed and now they found themselves on the outside of the mainstream. They found themselves on the outside of what was popular at that moment. And friend, you and I should allow this to give us instruction. You and I should allow this to give us encouragement that those of us who have been saved, those of us who have been changed by the Lord Jesus Christ, we are on the outside of this world. We will never be accepted by a world that has rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And we should not be looking for the Roman soldiers to hang out with. We should not be looking for the popularity with the chief priest. There's something that is comforting about being around another child of God. There's something that is comforting that being around somebody else who has gone through a similar experience, meaning we look to the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a common salvation, and just as it was a natural thing for those acquaintances to gather together, and let's offer each other some security and some courage. Well, there, there's Mary, the mother of Jesus. 
I didn't know what to find when I decided to come here today. But I imagine I'll go stand over there by her. Well, there's John. There's John. Maybe that acquaintance who's traveling with somebody says, you remember when we met John? When the Lord taught and they refreshed their memory about when they had seen Christ and his followers? I don't know where we're supposed to. I don't, well, let's, let's go stand over there. Let's, let's, let's hang out over there. And friend, it ought to be the same thing in this world today. We ought to thank God that we have a common salvation. We shouldn't be shocked when we find ourselves on the outside of society. And this world, whether we want to accept it or not, has rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. Every problem in this world is because of a rejection of salvation God's finished work on Calvary, if the world would turn to Christ, all of the problems would be solved. But let's just be honest this morning. Let's just get down to reality. This world has rejected Christ. And the church needs to stop. The believers need to quit trying to fit into the very world that crucified their Savior. We don't fit in because Jesus is my Savior. He is the one who's forgiven me of my sins. He is my Lord. He's the King of kings. He sits at the right hand of the Father. It is His intercession for us. We just stop trying to fit into the people who try to crucify Him. I make a quick observation. I'll get to number four and I'll be done. It's the same called out assembly that in the days ahead would leave that upper room after praying for the power of the Holy Ghost. It would then go back to the very ones who crucified Jesus and preach a risen Savior. They could not be empowered to go win the very ones who crucified him if they had not been willing to be lumped together outside of the mainstream. It's a very clear picture from the one word acquaintance in my view this morning. I mean, look around the room. How else could this diverse group get together? Except for the fact that we have the same Savior. We have the same salvation. We have the same hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm certain among a lot of us there are different things that we have in common, but in this group of people and the diversity here of, of the way different people have been reared in different parts of the world and, and good night, we can even get along from some people from the north. Jesus had to make a difference in that way. That's the most response I've gotten out of some of you. But you know what it is? It's Jesus. We're here today because of Jesus. We're not part of this world. We're just a passing through. This world doesn't understand because as they reject Christ, they don't understand those who have been touched by Him. You have family, you have friends, you have co-workers, they don't understand why you think the way you think and believe the way you believe. 
because they haven't been touched by it. They haven't been changed by it. They may be aware of him, and they may celebrate him two times a year at Christmas and Easter, but they have no concept of the real meaning of either of those events. But those of us who have been saved, we have been redeemed, we have been born again, it shouldn't take us very long to testify of what Jesus has done for us, and we realize that we are not part of this world, but you got to be called out. We have to assemble together, and the same group is going to go back and try and win the very people who crucified him. I point out very quickly, number four, notice the confusion from the circumstances. Verse 49, all his acquaintance and the women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off beholding these things. I'll use the remainder of my time to point out some things that were taking place. Those acquaintances were there, and I would say most of them, I would submit to you this morning that most of them were not even aware of why they were there except for the fact Jesus was there. They could not understand everything that was taking place. His own disciples did not understand what he meant when he said, I will destroy the temple in three days, build it up. We saw last week that Salome, the mother of James and John, had the belief that many of the disciples of that day had that Jesus was there to set up his kingdom right then. And we were going to go down with the Roman Emperor, he was done. Jesus is going to rule us. And there was, a, there was an idea that it was going to be a political. Man, there's no new thing under the sun. It was going to be a political revolution. That's not what Christ, of course, had intention. He was going to pay for the sins of mankind. There's no way the acquaintances understood. Why? Why? This is the Son of God. This is an innocent man. This is perfection. He is here, uh, sent by God to, to, to take away our sin. He is the Redeemer. He is the Messiah. He is the prophesied one. There could be little to no understanding of why they were watching him endure. Except for the fact that we accept that somebody had to pay our sin debt, it's hard for me to even fathom why Christ would allow himself to go through what he went through. He, was, he is and was the Son of God. Man has no right to even be in his presence, yet to take their fist and to smite him in the face. I'm going to be completely honest with you this morning, except for the fact that he gave his life for mine and for my sins, I don't understand why he would allow himself to be treated that way. These acquaintances, these believers could not have had any understanding of why these things were taking place. They didn't fully understand the significance. Stay with me just for a moment. In the same passage of Scripture, in, in, in verse uh, uh, 44, I believe it is, the Bible tells us that their darkness. John chapter number 19 also refers to this. Then the middle of the day, it goes dark. Now, many times when the skies get darkened because there's a thunderstorm coming in, 
every mom in the world is getting on their phone and calling their 50-year-old children, are you inside? Do you have a jacket? Do you have an umbrella? When it's supposed to be light and bright and it gets dark and dreary, there is some reason to concern because it's not supposed to be this way. But in the middle of the day, they go completely black. I don't care who you are, and that got the centurion's attention, if you recall. Truly, this was the Son of God. I believe I don't have time, but I believe part of, if you study out every account through the Gospels of the crucifixion, and you, and you understand the significance in, in, in his references in our text, where they smote their breasts, sometimes that's a salute, and sometimes that is a, that is a meaning of, 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 of seriousness. You can't tell me that some of them that were wagging their heads, and they were mocking him when it went black and the earthquake took place, the words that they spoke or they said when they were trying to crucify him, his blood be upon us, his blood be upon our children. I wonder how many of them, those words begin to ring in their ears when the earth went black and the earth began to shake. You talk about fear. John 19 tells us the graves opened up and there was resurrections that took place. Redemption was being paid for man. There's no way you're not going to convince me that even though they were in his presence, even though they heard him teach, even though they believed he was the Son of God, they did not fully understand everything that was taking place. They just knew something significant was taking place. I'll make a quick analogy and I'll close this morning. The same is true of the church today. The same is true of the day we live in. God is doing some miraculous things. His work is taking place. And it's not the redemption of man that is taking place. That has been cared for. Once to die for sinners, that payment has been paid. The next event on God's calendar is the resurrection of the church. And he tells us there's some things that have to take place. And often we as Christians, we're not quite as sharp as we should be. And we don't study the scriptures quite like we should. But there are some things taking place in this world. And we wring our hands and we say, I don't know what's going on. I, I'm a little bit afraid of what's taking place. Friend, don't lose sight of the fact that God is in complete control. And just as the skies turned dark in that day, and the earth trembled during that time, God's work was at hand. And those, in those acquaintances, they didn't understand everything that was going on. But when the tomb showed up empty, they started to understand. When Jesus ascended into heaven started to understand. There's some things taking place in this world today we don't completely understand, but let's be reminded, God is doing His work. The time's going to come when that trumpet's going to sound. And we'll have complete understanding. Don't be dismayed if you're confused by circumstances. When God does a great work, it does bring some fear. But we must remember that God is going to do everything that he said he's going to do. This morning, is there a clear contrast between you and those that crucified Christ? As a church, there must always be a clear contrast 
how can we win a world that's rejected Christ? If we're just like the world that rejected Christ. We can't be like them. We've been changed. We've been touched. We've been made different. How committed are you this morning as an acquaintance? You've heard him teach. You've seen what he could do. You're aware of who he is. I think all of us should ask ourselves this morning, how committed are we? Would we have been willing to be identified at Calvary? The mob still in a frenzy. The chief priest still mocking. Would we have been committed enough to be identified with John, with Mary, ultimately being identified with Christ? Friend, let me encourage you this morning that no matter what takes place in this world, God is doing His work. Say, Pastor, can you explain why this is taking place and why this is taking place? I have a simple explanation for it. Christ is coming back. And I say this often, we shouldn't let our patriotism, and I'm, I, I, I'm a, as patriotic as the next person, don't let it get in the way of Christian, your Christianity. I want America to be great. I think, I think we're, we're still blessed. With the, it's the greatest nation on this planet. I don't even think there's a close second. It's, it's the, God has been so good to us. We ought to be reminded that there's some things that have to take place in order for Jesus to come back. And God allows some things to happen, and we shouldn't be afraid, although there's some scary things and the skies go dark and the earth trembles. But may we be reminded of what Jesus said was going to take place. May we be reminded of what Jesus has said is going to happen before he returns. And may we keep our eyes on a resurrected Savior, on a returning Savior, and be faithful until that trumpet sounds. This morning, if you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I would urge you to get that settled today. Because Jesus is coming back. And you must be ready for His return. You must be ready. Church membership won't save you for what's coming uh, being a, having a religious background won't save you. Only thing that will save you is putting your faith and trust in what Jesus did on Calvary. And may we be committed. May we not be ashamed to be assembled together and acquainted. May we draw strength from that. One thing that we've experienced and we know firsthand over the last year and a half is there's more encouragement when we're together than when we're apart. There's more strength when we're together than when we're apart. Because God's people always find each other. It's not an odd thing for them to be on the outside. What we must do is we must go and we must win them, tell them of a resurrected Savior.